Parashat Vayera. So here is the well-known story when Abraham <clears throat> and Sarah were told that in another year they're going to have a son. And the Pasuk says that when the Malach told Abraham the good news, Sarah was listening. Peta Ha'ohel. She was in the tent listening. Sarah is listening. She hears the news that she's going to have a baby after so many years. The Pasuk says that Abraham and Sarah were already Zekenim. And the Pasuk Yudbet says, Vatitzhak Sarah Bekirba Lemor. Which means that Sarah inside. Bekirba, she left. What was the reason why she left? So the Pasu explains, Lemor, in other words, Ahare beloti aitali aidna is after I withered, I dried up, now I'm going to have rejuvenation. Vadoni zaken, my husband, my master, is an already an older man. After this incident, where Sarah left inside thinking, is that really possible? I'm going to have a child now. Vayomer Adonai el Avraham. Hashem tells Avraham, Lama Sarah? Why is it that Sarah left? Next pasuk. Hayipale me Adonai davar. Is why. She thinks that Hashem is unable to do something. This is the complaint that Hashem had on Sarah Imenu. That she had some sort of doubt about the amazing news that she heard from the Malach. A question that everybody should ask when they see this story is if Hashem has a problem with Sarah Imenu and what she did so why doesn't Hashem talk to Sarah? Why does Hashem tell Abraham that he has a problem with Sarah. Sarah, in her own right, was a great woman. In fact, Hazal tell us, she was greater in prophecy than her husband, Abraham. Rashi brings it on the Pasuk that says, in this week's parasha, that when they had an argument about Ishmael, can Ishmael stay? Ishmael has to go. Abraham thought he needs to stay. Abraham knew that Ishmael was not a great uh, influence on Yitzhak. That wasn't the discussion here. But Abraham felt that it's his son and he has a responsibility to his son Ishmael. And therefore there's no choice. He has to keep him around and they'll figure out a way to protect Yitzhak. Sarah says, no way. We have to 
send them out. So the Mahlokit. And Hashem told Abraham Avinu that you have to listen. Call Hashem Tomar Elecha Sarah Shema Bekola. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her. Hey, let me quote for you so you have it. Rashi Alava Shalom over there says, What does it mean, listen to her voice? Says Rashi Shema Bekola. Bekol Ruah HaKodesh Sheba. Meaning, it's not her voice. She's talking with a heavenly inspiration. Rashi says, Lamadnu, Shehaya Avraham Tafel Lesara Benevut. That Avraham was secondary to Sarah in prophecy. Because Hashem told Avraham, listen to her Ruach HaKodesh. She had, he has, she's a clear, clearer understanding of what is supposed to be. So the obvious question then is, if Hashem has a problem with Sarah, why not tell Sarah? Why does he tell Abraham, why did Sarah left? Go ask Sarah why she left. Why did Hashem go to Abraham and not to Sarah? Very, very nice question. It's an important question. So I'm going to tell you a rule based on this. Some of you are going to like the rule, and some are not going to like the rule. Okay? That's the way it is. Okay, but we don't, we don't speak based on voting or committee here. It's not a democracy, exactly. What we see from here is that a woman very much is influenced by her husband. And a husband has a responsibility on his wife because of that. Which means that if Sarah has any kind of doubt about what Hashem is going to do, so it must be that the source is in the husband. The husband was given leadership skills and abilities in his house. And even though a person might look and say, yeah, oh, my wife is this, my wife is that, and people could have all kinds of complaints about their wife, but ultimately, a woman in the house is very much a reflection of her husband. Of course, not necessarily it comes out in the way he wants the reflection to come out. But the leadership of the home is very much set by the husband. And which, which means that a husband may make a mistake in one thing, she may take it in a totally other place, in a bigger way than he, but a small thing by a husband could show up in his wife in a bigger way. Woman are more invested in what they do. They're connected. They have an emotion that is greater than a man. So a small attitude in a husband could show up in a big way by a woman. And that's why a man could say, where did that come from? Why is she like that? Why does she have her priorities off? Answer is, because of you. If you 
may have it off and not necessarily coming into action the way it is and the way it's supposed to be. The woman will take your ideas, your ideals, your, your, the, the things that you're excited about, and she will take it to another level. So for example, if you're excited about small, if the way you look or the way your family looks physically is very important to you, you may not act on it because you're maybe a little arrogant and don't like to even show that you want to show, or maybe you're a little smart in the way you show other people what your dark desires are. You know, men have strategy to them, even if they want something, but they don't want anyone to know that they want it. So you won't necessarily act exactly as the way you want. So it's like a dormant part of you that's in you. You very much want people's attention. Very much. A woman, a wife, will take that and she will run with it. She'll take it to the, the, the 40th level. She'll take it and do things and the husband will say, why, why is she going crazy like that? Why does she need that? Why does she want that attention? Why is she... And it's coming from you. The husband very much dictates where, it, where his wife takes things to another level. And this is a great lesson, this parasha. I don't know if it's the rule every single time. I'm not that confident. I don't know. But I see clearly in the Torah that a husband's attitude has very much an influence on what his wife becomes. A husband who has a ratzon for great things, his, his wife will take that to a new level. A husband who sees that his wife is not behaving the way she should, she shouldn't be doing certain things, she shouldn't be involved in certain things, he must check himself out. It's hard to hear. That's why I said people are not going to like it. It's very hard to hear that. Because if, I mean, so if my wife is messing up, so it has to do with me, the Torah is telling you that's the first place to look. Now again, you may not do what she does. You may not act the way she does. But she, she just took what you have and she brought it out into a bigger thing. There are many, many areas. I don't want to get too personal. So I'm going to stop here. But anybody who wants to take this and understand it needs to take real examples in his own life and see where he may have complaints on certain attitudes and actions of his wife and needs to bring it back to himself and figure out where in himself there is such a seed that has brought out perhaps a monster in the other person. You have to see within yourself that possibly you led that way. For example, a husband who may get a little nervous. It doesn't have too much emunah. Gets a little nervous. But as a husband, as a man, again, he knows how to put a very strong front. You see him walking around. It's cool, collect the guy's a mess inside. But on the outside, I'll never show it because 
He's a man. He's, he's all, but his wife will take that and she can't she can operate. Comes from the husband. If a husband showed security, if a husband showed real emunah, the woman would be much stronger. Now, by the way, when the woman is stronger, it takes the man to a new level. So how does that work? Is it the woman that's affecting the man or the man affecting the woman? The answer is like this. The seeds are created from the men. The zera of the woman is coming from the men. The dormant feelings, the things that not necessarily he's acting on, that's coming from the men. The woman will take that and bring it into the open. When the woman brings it into the open, this will affect very much her husband. You follow? It's like a cycle. So when a husband has dormant some beautiful things inside of him and lives by certain principles, the wife will take that to a new level, which in effect will change the men. A woman has capability of taking her husband to another level. Things he can't accomplish himself, his wife can take him there. But it has to start with him. His ratzon is going to affect what she's going to be which will affect what he's going to be. So when you see something in your wife, this is the seed of yourself. That's why you look at your wife and you'll say, where'd you get that from? Because I don't do that. I don't want that. But if you look inside of you, you might get a version of that in yourself. She just takes it and makes it bigger. Sometimes a husband will say, my wife, she's not interested in growth. She doesn't really care to grow. She's not, I want to become better. I want my children to be better. I want to do that. My children, oh. you should know that it's a mistake. If a, a, if a wife really sees her husband is be'emet, that he has a ratzon, his ratzon, not his rabbi's ratzon, not the ratzon of uh, his uncle. If be'emet, a husband has in his ratzon that he wants to grow, be'emet, a wife will get there. If a wife is not getting there, you have to suspect yourself that you're not real, that you're not amiti. Because if you were amiti, your wife would be right there with you and she would fly past you. You have to know that. And I can't say that I've seen it a thousand times, but I've seen it at least dozens of times where you see the husband complains about his wife and he's the problem because he's really not sincere. It's not real within him. So that's a rule. The, the, the woman will live the deep secrets of a man. <laughs> Follow? What's secret and dormant inside the man, the woman brings into life. Got it? Okay, good. Anyway, one more small thing. One more small thing, gentlemen. It says in the beginning of the parasha that when the guests came to Abraham, he went over to Sarah and he told her, 
He says, Vayomer, he says, Lushi vaasi ugot. He told her, go make dough, go knead the dough, and make ugot. Make some, bake some uh, halot, or cookies, whatever it is. So the obvious question is, is Abraham telling Sarah how to make ugot? To make ugot, if you tell your wife, please, could you make us halot? Okay, you have to tell her, go knead the dough and make halot. You think Sarah doesn't know how to make halot? But what was the other way to make halot? Why does he have to tell her, Lushi vaasi ugot? You need a question? You don't need a question. He tells her, go knead the dough and make halot. She knows how to make halot. There's no other way to make halot. There's no other way that you can make ugot. Why does he have to say lushi? You need a question? Oh, very good day. Beautiful. On the money. He was telling her the great value in the person himself doing the mitzvah. Sarai Menu had many people to help her. The point is, make sure we have halot. What's the difference? How they get there? Go tell this person, that person, and make sure we have halot. That would be if he told her, let's make ogot. When he says lushi, what he's telling her is, you should do it. You should do the job of preparation. Don't give it to somebody else. One of the great values in life is mitzvah bo yoter misheluho. Hazal tell us, that when you do something, it's greater value than if your shaliyah, if your messenger does it. Even though you can get things done through others, and sometimes there's no choice. But mitzvah bo, it's greater for you to do it than to have someone doing it for you. Again, where it's not possible, you have someone do it for you. Abraham was telling Sarah, I'm not coming to you just to get ugot. I'm coming to you to give you a zikhut. And the way to do it is, you have to do it. Agav, by the way, you see from here, the great value that we take away from a woman when she doesn't cook and prepare the food in the house. There's a great loss when a woman has a lot of help. Not, nothing wrong with having a lot of help. Nothing bad. But when it comes to important things like making food for the family and for the children and for guests, there's a tremendous value that the woman herself is involved in the making, in the preparation of the food. And when we take that away from her, it's possible we're taking from her one of her biggest contributions to the home and to the people that she's serving. Abraham Avinu is reminding his wife, Lushi, even though you have a lot of help, make it yourself. 
when a woman makes her own food, there's a great value to, what, to the action and to the people that enjoy that food. Lushi, when you eat Sarai Menu's production, is different than when you eat somebody else's work. So a person should be smart in his home. Maybe it's too late. But a person should be smart in his home that he should have his wife shouldn't be going out to dinner every night. He shouldn't be going out to dinner every night for other reasons too. should have more things to do in your life than just going out for dinner. But besides that, there's a great value in having a woman in the kitchen preparing the food for her family. It makes a difference for them and for her. Lushi Vasiugot. The goal isn't to have food in the house. The goal is Lushi, that it should be a product of your avodah. It should be a product of your work. Next. Let's start the beginning of the parasha. Let's go back to the beginning. The beginning of the parasha begins. Hashem appears to Abraham in the plains of Mamre. He came, Hashem came, as Rashi says, He came to be Mevaker Holim. He came to visit someone who was sick. He just had his Brit Milah. Hashem doesn't say, by the way, that He was talking to him. That's how Hazal knows. It says, Hashem appeared to him and nothing was exchanged. So what was the purpose of the visit? The purpose of the visit is, oh, he came to visit him. By the way, you see from here that when you go to visit someone, you don't have to talk. People get all, uh, you know, uh, innovative when they go visit somebody who is uh, not feeling well, or someone who is sitting shiva, or someone who is in pain, and they, they're trying to be very, very uh, bright and very smart and how they're going to say the right line and the sharp word and the right joke or, or the right comment or... People have this yetsahara, uh, I'll call it, to say things that catch the eye and the ears of the person. It's a mistake. When someone's in pain, you see in this parasha, you don't have to say anything. You're not there to talk. That's it. Hashem came to him just to be with him. He doesn't need people sitting in pain don't need your jokes. They don't need your sharp lines. They don't need your loudness. They just need you to be there. If they want to talk to you, let them talk to you. You sit when a person is in pain, sit down next to him and don't say anything. Just wait. Let them say something. You could answer back. If you feel an opportunity to say something simple, you could say it. But you don't have to feel the pressure of having to come up with great lines that this visit is going to change the person's life and they're going to walk out and say, you know what, don't worry, it's going to be great. If people say that, it's going to be great. Don't worry, I went through this. The worst things you could say. All the worst things. Don't worry, I've been through it. Many people have been through it. Oh, thank you very much. Now I feel like a dip. Before I was in pain, now I feel like I'm in pain. I'm also a dip about it though. Don't tell people things that may be more hurtful then not saying anything. All you have to do when you visit someone in pain is be there. elav Hashem. What did he tell him? Which word? Nothing. 
They're having tell them. Just be there. Being there for a person is enough of a, of a hezuk for the person. Again, if you could talk about s- things that are obvious, okay, to talk about, the person asks you something, you can exchange. But you don't have to be the life of the party when you go to help someone in pain. You don't have to be the Mashiach that when you walk out, the guy all of a sudden forgot everything and everything changed in his life. You don't need to do that. Just go and sit with the person. Good, that's a very important lesson. That's how, that, that's how Hazal know that this was just a visit because he didn't say anything. Good. Next Pasuk says, He raised his eyes and he saw he saw three men that were standing by him. He ran towards them. This is the famous story of Abraham Avinu who was sitting in pain. Hashem made it very, very hot that nobody would come visit him that day to give him a day off. And Abraham Avinu is sitting by the door looking for people to help. Shashem sends him three angels in the form of people. Look what the Pasuk says. He raised his eyes and he saw. What is the purpose of the Torah writing? Obviously, if you saw someone across the way, you must have raised your eyes. Your eyes can't be looking down and you saw someone opposite you. Why does the Torah have to tell us by Yisai It's obvious. Just say, Vayar, and he saw. What's Vayisai Vayar? My dear friends, there's something very, very powerful in these words. I left till, till the end. So I'm afraid I get stuck here. Vayisai Vayar is telling us an amazing principle in life that you know when you able to see the opportunities, when do you see the opportunities in your life? By Yisa'inav, when your eyes want it. Abraham only saw those angels because he was looking for them. When you're looking for something in life, you will get it. By Yisa'inav, Bayad isn't telling us how things happen. They're telling us the cause and effect they're not just saying, by the way, he looked up and he saw them. They're telling you why he saw them. You know why he was able to lend this great opportunity of kindness, which brought him, by the way, so much biracha. It brought him a child. It brought him refuah shlema. It did so much for him. How did it happen? By enav, Because he was looking. When you want something... Hashem will help you get it. It's the koah of a person's ratzon. How did Hashem create the world? We say, Baruch she'amar ve'aya ha'olam. Hashem said, Vayomer Elohim, and that came to be. The Ramban says in Bereshit, that when it says, Vayomer Elohim, what does it mean Hashem said? So says the Rambam, what Hashem said means the words are an expression of what Hashem wanted. 
When I say something to you, it's an expression of what's sitting inside of me. So when it says Hashem said, or what does that mean? It means Hashem wanted that there should be or, and the expression of that want is Vayomer. So Baruch She'amar, when we say Baruch She'amar, blessed is the one who said, Hashem who said, right? And the world was created. The saying isn't really the main point. The saying is just an expression of what Hashem wanted. So really, what created the world? What created the world is Hashem's ratzon. Hashem's desire to do something, which is expressed through the words, is what caused the world to be. Means the creation of this world, everything you see, is in reality the ratzon Hashem. That's what Hashem wanted. And therefore, Baruch She'amar Ve'ayah Olam. That same koa, that same energy, Hashem put inside all of us. The most powerful part of us is our inner desire and inner want. What do you want? What do you really want in life? If you really want money, you really, really want money, then you're going to get money. Baruch She'amar Olam. What is your innermost desires in life? Whatever they are, you will get them. It says, Poteach et Yadecha. Hashem opens His hands. Umasbiya. And He satiates. Lechol hai. To every living creature. What does He satiate them with? With Ratzon. He gives them what they really want. If you really want money, if that's all you really want, you're going to, meaning when I say you want, it means that, that all of your wants is that. You know, a person can want a thousand things. That shows that there's nothing there that he really wants. When you really want something, you have your full focus on it. Most people that you know really want money. And all their focus is on money. I mean, they want other things too. But they don't really want them because they're not really focused on them. So you really want money in your life? You'll get money. But you may lose that on a lot of other things. You may lose that on your children. You may lose that on your marriage. You may lose that on your ulamaba. You may lose that on your happiness too. But guess what? But money, you'll get. Whatever your ratzon is focused, if your ratzon is focused on something, you're going to get it. But be careful where you focus your ratzon because it may come, because when you focus your ratzon on something, it may come at a price of things that you should have been focused on that you're not going to get. You, yeah, but it's right. But it's deeper than that. It's be careful where you're focused in your desire. Not just a wish. We can wish for a lot of things. But here, we're telling you something. There's a rule in life. What you really want, 
Hashem guarantees that He will satiate to each person. What is He going to give you? You're that son. Whatever you really want, He's going to give it to you. You say, wow, it's great. But it's not so great. Because to have a ratzon means you got to focus your energies on that ratzon. That's a real ratzon. When you have a real ratzon for something, you're going to get it. But be careful you have the right ratzon. That's why David Melech says, Ahat sha'alti me'et Hashem. He says, Ahat sha'alti. I have one request. Ota abakesh. That is my life search. Shifti bevet Hashem kol hayai. I want to live in the house of Hashem my whole life. On a simple level, Bet Hashem means the Bet Midrash. But maybe on a more simple level even, Bet Hashem means this world is a house of Hashem. Says David Melech, I want to feel that I am with Hashem wherever I am. That's my, my ratzon is to have Hashem with me wherever I go. That wherever I am, I feel I am in Bet Hashem. Whether I'm in the Bet Midrash, whether I'm home, whether I'm in work, whether I'm with people, whether I'm in Melchama, wherever I am, Shifti Bebet Hashem, I want to live with Hashem all my life. Lahazot Benoam Hashem, to see the sweetness of Hashem. Now, why is that a good request? Because there are some requests in life that if you have them, you have everything. There's a famous, there's a famous Midrash. The Midrash says that when Shilamu Melech was asked by Hashem, you have one wish. What do you want? Give it to you. So the Midrash says that Shlomo says, well, if I get this, I won't get that. If I ask for money, I'll get money, but I won't get something else. If I ask for something else, I won't get money. If I ask for this, I won't get for that. He was confused. What would he do? The Midrash compares it to a man who was told by the king, the most powerful king in the world, the king told him, you have one wish. Give me one wish. I love you very much. You're a special person. You have one wish. Guy's saying, what should I wish for? I wish for this. In the end, he tells the king, I have one wish. He says, I want to marry your daughter. Why? He says, if I marry his daughter, I get everything. What am I, a hamor? I'm going to wish for money. I'm going to wish for a house. I'm going to wish for a private jet. If you marry the king's daughter, you got it all. Says Shilomo Amelech, I could wish for anything, but let me wish for something that gets me everything. That's a good wish. So he says, Hashem says, he tells Hashem, give me chokhmah. Give me your wisdom. Because if you have Hashem's wisdom, then you have it all. Says David Melech, Ahat Sha'anti. I only have one ratzon. I have one wish. I want to be with Hashem. I want to be with you my whole life. Wherever I am, you're with me. I have the wisdom. 
I have your presence. That's all I want. And you'll tell me, but he doesn't want to get married? Doesn't want to have children? Doesn't want to have... What do you mean? If you have Hashem with you, you have everything with you. So don't be a fool in life that you should use by Yisa'inav for something that is very specific to something. Because anything you have a deep razon for in life, you're going to end up paying for it in other things that you don't have. Follow? Whatever you want in your life, which means you, that's your, you focus your desire and your energy on that, that's what you're going to get. But be careful. Ratzon yere'av ya'aseh. Hashem will do your ratzon. But make sure it's the right one. How powerful, by the way, is ratzon? Just for a second. We're going to read. We read by Shechem. What a, it's a wild story. Shechem falls in love with Dina. He needs to marry Dina. That's it. They negotiate with him. They tell him, listen, if you tell all the people in town to get a Brit Milah, then we'll be able to have a family relationship. We can't marry people that don't have a Brit Milah. So your city and your people are pasuls. No good. We, we, we can't. So if you get everybody in town to get a Brit Milah, we will be able to make a Shidduch with you. Pasuk says, Velo ehar hanaar la'asot. It says, Vayitevu divrehim. And you would think, imagine someone came to you with a deal like that. To go get all of Brooklyn to get a Brit Milah. So your daughter, so that so your son can marry this girl. It says they liked it. They liked the idea. Pasuk says, Velo ehar hanaar la'asot adavar. He didn't delay. He went. Could you imagine he convinced the whole city? How could you convince an entire city of people of all ages to get a Brit Milah? How is that possible? Where, where, where did this guy land from? Is it possible to convince an entire city that you get a Brit Milah? Today we have people, people from Russia, people from all over, that Hazid, they never got a Brit Milah and they get older and they do Teshuvah and it's a very big step for them. This man convinced an entire city and not for spiritual reasons and not for themselves because he wants to marry this girl. Pasuk says, how did he do it? How did he get everybody to do it? Pasuk says, Ki hafetz bebat Yaakov. There's only one thing he wanted in life. He wanted to marry Dina. Ki hafetz, because he wanted it. If you want something, you're unstoppable. Nobody will stop you. Unbelievable pasuk. We see, by the way, it's for good and for bad. It doesn't matter what you wish for. Oh, not wish, excuse me. What you really want. We see, I'll give you this and we'll end. We see very similar stories, but in opposite directions that happen in our history. It says by the Egel that they had gold. They threw it into the fire. And what happened? The Egel came out. We find a similar story by Moshe Rabbeinu. 
when he came to make the menorah, the menorah of the Mishkan had to be made all from one piece of gold and shape it from one piece into a menorah with such elaborate detail. It's impossible to do it. After Hashem shows Moshe Rabbeinu how to do it, he tries to do it. He can't do it. Hashem tells him, just throw the gold into the fire and it will come out. He threw it into the fire and menorah came out. Imagine two stories in our history where gold was thrown into a fire and something came out. One time, what came out? The menorah that represents the Torah, the Chokhmah. The other time, the Egel Azav. Could you imagine opposite things that happen when you throw gold into a fire? How could that be? Answer is, all depends on your Ratzon. If your Ratzon is for the Egel, you'll get the Egel. If your Ratzon is for Menorah, you'll get the Menorah. Whatever your Ratzon is, this is what will be. We, Am Yisrael, have a special gift that we can want things that are beyond human capabilities. Where do we see that? By Abraham Avinu. It says, by Abraham Avinu, Hashem told him, go out. And it says, it says, go out and look and count the stars. Are you able to count them? Hashem tells him, are you able to count them? Go out and count the stars. Are you able to count them? Hashem tells him, This will be your children. The great <clears throat> Rabbi Shapiro writes on this pasuk. What is that? What's the story over here? He says, when Hashem told Abraham, go out to count the stars. It's impossible to count stars. But guess what Abraham did? He went out to count the stars. Hashem told him, Your children will be like this. That you looked at something that was impossible, but yet you went and said, but I'm going to do it. This is going to be part of Am Yisrael and it's been in our entire history. That we have this koach of Ratzon for even things that are beyond imagination. We Am Yisrael have achieved things that were impossible to imagine on this planet. And even till today we're seeing it. Ko Am Yisrael has the koach of wanting things that may others may think is not really possible. That's Vayisa Ainav Vayat. You want to know how Abraham succeeded in what he did? Vayisa Ainav. Because he really wanted it. Opposite of Lot. By Lot it says also, Vayisa Lot et Ainav. Lot, he raised his eyes. Vayaret kol kikara yarden. All he saw was money. Kikula mashke. Different vayisa. If you're looking for money, you're going to get money. But you lose out on other things. Lot lost everything when he had his desire set on money. If you desire chokhmah, you have everything. This is the desire of a person to be closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and he'll get all the birachot that come with it. Rabotai, have a good day.